0: It's time for Dodger Baseball. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! There it goes! See ya.
1: The sports department at WFUV and the history behind it are a story largely untold. That is, until now. The voices that have shaped the student-run station for the last seven decades dive into their time at Rose Hill. This is the Off The Air Podcast, the legacy of WFUV sports.
2: It's another week and another episode of the Off The Air Podcast. Emmanuel Barbari, alongside Chris Baccia. And we're pleased to be joined this week by Mac Rosenberg. That interview coming up. He is a reporter and anchor at WCBS 880 in New York, a WFUV sports alum. And Chris, with everything going on in the world right now, the whole Black Lives Matter movement that he's been on the ground covering lately. I'm excited to hear how he stays grounded as a journalist during this time and how Fordham and WFUV shape those journalistic values.
0: And I think he has such a masterclass to offer from having the FUV and the sports experience and now carrying that into a very real world um, of news, a, a world that feels a little too real these days. But Mac is on the front lines and he can he can offer an eye to that. Um, that's that's important for our discussion on the podcast. And, um, you know, I, I think with it he probably has a lot of lessons on journalism but also on building a career in this industry um, staying humble and uh, and understanding this connection between telling a story whether that's a sports story or a news story
2: and chris we've talked about it the first couple of weeks on the show the relationships that are forged between the various people who are pursuing their goals at fuv Justin Shackle and Dan Duva shared some of that time in the 08-09 classes. In 14 and 15, Mac Rosenberg and Mike Watts. So it's cool to kind of cross-reference these people and see what impact they had on each other.
0: It's so cool that this this podcast project, E-Man, we we are getting this intersection of guys who graduated together um, right now kind of looking at a generation of Fordham alums um, that come after the Mike Breens and the... Michael Kay's of the world, but now this new generation that's sort of beginning and beginning to flourish uh, in the industry. And they all have their own unique tidbits, but then there's also certainly a common thread between them. And one of those common threads is that they all uh, work better and they work off of each other. Um, These relationships um, build off each other in the sense that everyone wants to do better work because of the guy or the girl to his right, or left, and and we've seen that to be true um, in every podcast that we've that we've recorded.
2: So, without further ado, let's learn a little bit more about our guest on episode four of the Off the Air podcast
1: this week on Off the Air, Mac Rosenberg. A Fordham alum in the class of 2014 and WFUV product, Max served as sports manager, a beat reporter, and play-by-play broadcaster, lending his voice to Rams football, basketball, baseball, and softball, while also hosting WFUV's one-on-one. After his time in the Bronx, he's worked as a production assistant at SNY, creating graphic packages for highlight shows, and as a news anchor at WTIC 1080 in Connecticut. Currently, Rosenberg is in his second year as a reporter and anchor at WCBS News Radio 880 in New York. Here's the off the air podcast with Mac Rosenberg.
2: Mac, how have you been doing lately? This pandemic hit pretty suddenly. It's changed a lot of people's work, and certainly affected a lot of lives. But how's it treated you specifically?
3: Yeah, um, you know, thankfully, uh, work has been there for me still, uh, which I'm, you know, just uh, very grateful for. Um, you know, at the beginning, um, I kind of was wondering what was going to happen. I mean, I'm a, I'm not a staff employee. You know, I'm I'm considered freelance, um, but uh, you know it was clear early on that um we in the, in the news media were considered essential so um you know that's uh, you know that that's uh that's uh, thankful for that definitely um and you know kind of working from home is you know i've been getting used to that still different things to get used to but um you know just just thankful to to still have work
0: mac uh, i want to talk about the perspective from a news reporter and how that's different from most of us who have lived through this pandemic. Um, having a close-up view of it, reporting on it now, reporting on some of the more recent events in New York City, some of the protests, what what has it been like to have a close-up view of sort of this massive shift that we've seen in society? Not to, not to get so dramatic here at the beginning, of, uh, at the outset, but having, a, having an eye on that uh, a little different from the rest of us.
3: Yeah, it's very unique. I mean, you know, normally our radio station is, uh, you know, on, on a weekday, it's it's bustling. You know, you've got anchors, you've got producers, you've got writers, uh, traffic people, sales people. I mean, you know, there's a lot going on normally during the week. And for months now, it's been just dead. I mean, you know, and, that, you know, rightfully so. They wanted to minimize the amount of people in the radio station. Uh, we've had anchors work start working from home um you know reporters working from home produ- uh, producers at times writers all the writers are working from home so yeah that's been very unique um you know i have seen different things in the last few months um but for i i for me really it's just been um the, the interesting part was was not really the 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 aspect of the pandemic so to speak but once all these protests started happening. I think that was kind of a bigger moment for me uh, personally because wasn't really out in the field that much during during the the peak of the pandemic. I mean, you know, I was kind of sitting here, rolling on press conferences, put easily can put together reports from home on it. So in a way I was kind of shielded from that. And I didn't didn't go out much at all, if at all, now that I can think of to talk to people. Um, but there came a time when it was like, all right, there's a bigger story now, you know, (laughs) these protests just like came in such a wave and took over for a couple of weeks. And, um, so I was kind of excited to kind of get back out there. And I, 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 covered a protest, uh, down in Manhattan at Washington square park and ended up walking about six miles North, um, with, you know, these thousands of, of protesters. And this was kind of, um, at the end of it, on the back end, I I was doing a lot of uh, in-house, in-studio reporting on, um, you know, for the first few nights when we saw destruction, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. that you couldn't really imagine. Uh, All the looting that was happening was, I mean, that was just, it was terrible to see. Um, But I've always been someone who, as a journalist, I can really kind of disconnect from the personal, emotional aspect of it. And that's been very very important for me to do it's come a lot easier to me than I think it 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 has to others and you know I'm everyone does their own thing and reacts in their own way um social media I think plays a a lot into that but um it was still you know I'd get home I'd work you know till maybe like 1 or 2 a.m on those nights just in studio kind of monitoring uh you know police radios and uh you know the citizen app was great. Snapchat, just of people posting videos of what they were seeing, and so I'm 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 in this little booth, and at the same time I, I can see everything that's happening, and so I'd get home and I'd be like, you know, man, I I really cannot believe what I'm seeing, you know, and get up the next day and do it all over again. Um, so, th- I think the protests more so than the actual pandemic for me. I mean, I I've you know uh, was not. Again, out during the height of the pandemic, talking to people. Um, I've uh, li- still live with my parents, and they're kind of in the higher risk category, so tried to to stay out of uh, reporting outside for a while there. But um, you know, once these protests started, it was kind of like, all right, sorry, mom and dad, I, I I gotta I gotta do this, you know, and obviously taking all the the, the precautions.
2: You talked about personal experience with the protests and and being able to get on the ground. What was your experience like? You talked about the rioting and and the looting that was mixed into the peaceful protests. What was your personal experience like reporting on all of that?
3: Yeah, I I covered um, two protests at Washington Square Park. And, um, you know, it was, you know, energetic. It was they were they they you know, were very forceful with their message. Um, And at the same time, it was under control. And I think what I saw was, we had this curfew that went into effect in New York City. Um, I don't remember what day of the week it was, may have been been like a Thursday night. And it last, it was actually probably earlier in the week, and it ended up, you know, it was eight o'clock curfew. It was the night after Midtown was just looted to, to no end. I mean, it was, you know, we had one of our reporters out there, you know, from the early afternoon on into the night and I was kind of monitoring his reports and hearing what he had to say and then kind of putting together everything at the end of the night. And I mean, to hear, you know, those stories, you know, even though I wasn't there was still emotional a a little bit there, but then covering the, the protests at Washington square park, um, you know, it was this moving train of people. And once they left Washington Square Park, and it's like, okay, where, where are they going to go next? You know, because there's nobody really, you know, telling them where to go. Um, and I think what we saw with those later protests was the police, you know, which were such a big, big part of the reason that this was all happening, took a step back you know, and they were there, they got to be there to to make sure nothing gets out of hand. But the curfew was over by that point, they lifted the curfew. And that kind of eased things. Because telling the public that they got to be inside by a certain hour is just, I mean, you know, wh- while it may have been necessary to stop the looting, it was uh, really touched a nerve with a lot of people who were not happy about it. A lot of the people who were as they say, peacefully protesting and not looting, you know, because most of those people, that's what they were doing. But the handful of people who decided to loot, you know, that was, you know, you're going to uh, kind of have the punishment for everyone as a result of those actions of the small amount of people. So once the curfew was over and, you know, things started to ease a little bit, we had these daily marches throughout the city and the one that I covered, it was like there was a group of maybe 50 or 75 people on bicycles at the front of this protest and they were leading the way and then you'd have organizers in back, you know, and then the, the, the cyclists would make a turn on the street and we'd say, no, 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 we're gonna keep going and there'd be a stoppage and it would just be a little hectic and then they'd end up going and then there were times, multiple times when they decided to sit. And take a knee in the middle of the street like you know traffic was there was no they were blocking off traffic um you know it was kind of rolling street closures and they were blocking everything off and they decided to sit and they would call out names of uh you know uh, black people who had been killed at the hands of police officers and um, you know, during those times, it's kind of my job to, I, I, you know, I, I didn't, uh, at first I was not sitting. I was kind of taking video and, and, and tweeting it out as best I could. And, and, you know, this is in between doing live reports uh, every half hour or so on, on, uh, on WCBS. And there was one point where everyone took a knee and I was kind of like the only person not sitting because, you know, I'm a journalist. I'm not I'm not protesting. I am covering a protest, and that needs to be distinguished here and There was a moment where they took a knee, and this woman uh, turned to me and said, Take a knee you know and you know at first i i i I kind of gave her a little bit of pushback because again it's my job to be um communicating to the public what these people are doing it's not my job to be joining in with them i'm not fighting for any cause I'm reporting the facts of what i 'm seeing in front of me and what People are saying, but um, I, I basically <laughs> I decided that I I was gonna have to do this. I was gonna have to, to 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 sit down and 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 take a knee, and I did. And I I you know it was fine. It was, I, I had no problem at all to do it. But um, I just I guess I, I I wanted her to know, even if I'm gonna do this, just know that I am here to cover this. I'm here to report what I'm seeing. So you know, you had those moments and, um, it was, uh, it was a a really good learning experience for me, I think.
0: Mac, when you talk about neutrality and keeping, uh, keeping an impartial perspective, how important is that? I know you mentioned it earlier and how do you, how do you cultivate that? How, how, how do you make sure that you find yourself in the middle of something, um, that has become very strained and very politicized and your job as a journalist to stay, Impartial. Uh, how, how did you develop that skill?
3: It's incredibly important. Un. Unbel- it is the first thing that I think of when I'm about to write a story. When I'm about to deliver a story. It- it's at the forefront every single day. Um, you know, there isn't always um, another side to a story. You know, I mean, you know, we have certain certain rules uh, in, in you know as to how to to report things um and you know in this case i was reporting on one side you know uh, you know but at the same time where are the police in all this you know because there were clashes with police and protesters throughout the week before that so now it's like okay where are they and i had only seen like two or three police officers the entire day so that's so you know i was thinking like okay not just gonna talk about the protesters even though that is the story keep it with them first and then say, by the way, minimal police presence. You know, I saw a couple of officers walking with the protesters, whatever it is. So that, you know, in that case, um, you know, you, you know what the main story is, but, um, that is something that I, I've carried with me really ever since my, uh, my first job in, uh, in local news, I was an assignment editor, um, at a, a local TV news station, uh, Fios one news here in, uh, in the tri state area, it's no longer around. But, um, you know, that was a talk about learning experience. I mean, before you get on the air, before you can, you know, get to a, a story and, and, you know, put your voice to something, it's really important to know what you are saying <laughs> and to know what the words are that's, that are coming out of your mouth. And people are listening. You know, you are looking into a camera, you're talking into a microphone, you know, you're not seeing the person there that's watching you or listening but they are there and that is incredibly incredibly important to know you know you know you balance that that nervousness and you know i could tell you that you know if i had like even 10 or 20 people looking at me every time i reported a story like in the studio or you know at the scene with me and i people have looked at me you know but i try to you know stay focused i might be even more nervous than i was if there was nobody there but you know that they are there. Um, so yeah, I think being an assignment editor and kind of, um, you know, just a very quick synopsis of that job was to find stories, breaking news, whatever kind of story it was, and give them to reporters to go do and, and schedule interviews and do that. And so learning to, 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 to go through that process taught me that, okay, there's going to be another side here. You need to reach out to that politician or, you know, that, victim or whoever it was to see if they have anything to say and if they don't that's fine you know you don't it's not you know you don't have to talk to us but it's my job to to ask you if you have something to say and we we say you know no comment or we reached out and they would rather not not rather not say anything so it can be that simple and then as far as you know on the protests it's just seeing all seeing all the different sides that are there
2: I'm happy you went down that road of kind of the journalistic values because you graduated Fordham in 2014, WFUV alum. How much did your education there kind of instill those values before you even got out and, and took your first job?
3: Well, I got my first job in local news at, at Fios because of a, a professor who I had at Fordham, uh, Lynn Garlick, who I uh, don't believe is at, at Fordham anymore, but she Was um, I believe she was a producer at CBS News, long-time producer there, and she taught a class called Writing for Television and Radio News. And that is where I really got my experience into, you know, the window into how how news works, local, national, whatever it is. Um, So that was huge. Uh, Another figure um, for me at Fordham who continues to be a mentor to this day is Beth Noble who um, I'm sure you guys uh, know, or at least some of you know, um, who is a, a, a fixture in the, in the communications department and is, um, you know, a, a, a huge presence for me. Someone who, you know, I, I didn't actually meet her, I don't think, until I was a junior, and I took a journalism class with her and you know, the class was kind of writing for the newspaper, the Ram newspaper, but it's, you know, we, we would see each other outside of the classroom and, and talk about different things and email and, you know, and so, you know, it's those relationships. And obviously I know we're going to talk about Bob, um, you know, those are the kinds of, you know, it's outside of the classroom really. I mean, <laughs> wasn't the greatest student, you know, but you know, I did, did what I could, you know, I, I, I th- you know, there were certain, I could have done better, I'm sure. And, 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 certain areas, but the experiences outside of that, that I got the extracurricular opportunities at Fordham were huge and, and continue, you know, for me to be huge to this day.
0: Well, since you mentioned Bob and WFUV, of course, doing four years there and making that the biggest part of your, your, your college extracurricular life. um, If you could start talking about FUV, what that meant, and how it plays into you now reporting on the news, where the connection between sports and news uh, is important for you.
3: Yeah. Um, so I knew that I wanted to go to Fordham. I knew about WFUV. I knew, you know, the, the heritage, Vin Scully, and the rest of them. I, I knew all about it way before Fordham. I You know, I remember I was on the campus at Marist. Uh, visiting the campus with my parents. And, you know, it was nice. It's, you know, it's on the Hudson river. It's beautiful. You know, it's, you know, take nothing away from it. But I, I walked out of there and I said to them, no, it's still Fordham. You know? <laughs> I, I knew from the get go. And I'm so thankful that I did. Um, and I can remember uh, at some point before I even got accepted to Fordham, I did talk to Bob Aaron's on the phone. And I remember like, saying to myself, okay, like this, this, this guy is pretty legit. Like he, he, you know, he, he sounds like he's, you know, um, an important guy (laughs) that, that, that I, that I should, you know, keep on and, and make sure to, to, you know, develop some sort of connection with. And, uh, I think that, and I won't speak for anyone else, but for me, there were a lot of times at FUV from the beginning to the very end where, I thought I was a little too big for my britches, if you will, you know, and I, I you know, you, you kind of take those experiences and and, and learn from them. Uh, the earliest of those experiences I remember is on the phone with Bob, walking through campus. Um, I had hosted, I, I did a, a, a rinky dink uh, football podcast with a friend of mine growing up. We did it for a couple of years. It was a lot of fun. And I said to myself, wow. Okay. The fact that I already did this, you know, I'm going to have a huge leg up and I'm, I think I'm going to, I'm going to try to host the NFL podcast that they have, you know, when I walk in the door, you know, it'll, you know. And so I remember talking to Bob about that and basically coming away from that phone call saying, you know, okay, not quite yet. <laughs> um, and, you know, you also don't realize uh, how much other, how the other people that are with you there and the experiences they come into this with, you know, I mean, Mike Watts, DJ Sixsmith, Kenny Ducey, you know, all those guys, uh, you know, I mean, they had, they did a hell of a lot more than me in, in high school. So, uh, and they were, you know, younger than me coming in. So you just, you kind of go into it. You don't know what to expect. You have that initial mindset, and then you kind of say, oh, okay, this is what this is really going to be about. I'm going to have to really, you know, chart out the steps to get to where I, I want to get to, and it'll, you know, it'll, it'll happen if if uh, if the stars are aligned <laughs> correctly. Um, but you know the entire way at Fordham I wanted to be in sports there was I never even thought about news um however from the first day I got to Fordham I uh was doing Fordham nightly news um the we had a, a nightly news program at Fordham half hour it was at the uh I believe they called it the EIC the electronic information center down in the basement of the library and uh I uh, did a screen test for sports and news. And I said, yeah, why not do, why not try news? You know, I'd never really, ha- didn't have a clue about news really, to be perfectly honest at that point. And started doing Fordham Nightly News and I did sports there as well. And so I had a kind of, you know, m- uh, you know, sports was kind of the, the the number one thing for me at FUV. And then that was kind of a nice little side side hustle, if you will, throughout the four years, being able to do that. Uh, was kind of just, you know, okay, you know, dip your feet in a little bit there and see, you know, see what happens. And then got the, uh, got, I got the job at Fios after I'd worked at SNY for a a few months as a production assistant, left there and got this full-time job at Fios, really took it because it was full-time, like, you know, full-time, it's right around the corner from home. I'm just going to take it. Um, didn't know a thing, not a lick about local news, uh, and at the same time, I decided to reach out to uh, George Bedarki, the news director at, at FUV, just to say, hey, you know, I, 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 you know, I'm not sure like what the possibility is, but I, I did, did Ford of Mightly News all four years. If you ever need someone to, you know, do a fill in newscast, I'd like to try it, you know, and I had. Ah, uh, George and I were were uh, fairly close throughout the four years. We'd gotten to know the, the news people very, very well um, at FuV, and um, I ended up doing a few early morning newscasts at FuV, and that was the first time on the air in New York doing news. And no one was really there to uh, critique me. Um, you know, I had a little experience at FiOS, just the window into what local news was, and so that and eventually led to everything you know as far as as being on air doing news as far as the connection between sports and news i you know something i was thinking about recently because really you are just telling a story you know that that's in both you know whether it's a story of uh you know Ryan Mara just getting drafted um into the uh, mls uh or um you know a a person who uh you know just got kidnapped uh, or you know there was a, I'm just trying to think of a story I did about a, a guy who actually witnessed a girl almost getting kidnapped um and so you're you're really just you know telling the story of somebody or something uh in different ways you know def- different ways of doing it um but you know, when it comes down to it, you still have to get the facts, right. You still have to kind of craft it and make it your own in that way. And um, so that was kind of that part of it was pretty seamless for me. You know, the, the, the sports to news storytelling was, it was, it was, it was seamless.
2: You talked about some of those key figures at Fordham, Mike, DJ, Kenny, you name it, who kind of everyone pushed each other to achieve their best. Are there any fond memories that come to mind from your time at Fordham where, maybe you travel together or uh, a favorite moment that comes to mind from your four years there?
3: Well, actually in preparing a little bit for this interview, I, I made a list on my phone. If you don't mind, I'm just going to pull this out. Cause I, I, there are so many, I mean, and there's so many that aren't even on this list. I should also mention Eric Malo and, and Nolan Silbernagel uh, as two of my absolute best friends who, to this day are are still best friends. Jake Schreifels as well. So many other people, Chris Morasco, Alex Smith. I mean, it, you know, there are just so many people that you, you, you got to be friends with. And this is something that I say a lot when I'm asked about my time at FUV. Yeah, the play-by-play, one-on-one, all that stuff was, fun, you know, fantastic experience. But the people you share it with, I mean, the camaraderie I've heard, you know, the other interviews you guys have done, and, and that's that's a a huge theme at FUV. Um, so, I mean, I could, let's see. This is not a road trip, but uh, Bob Wolf came in to do a workshop once, um, passed away a few years ago, obviously the legendary broadcaster, and um, there was a moment where he called me up to like do a mock call of, of a touchdown or something, and you know i i think that there was some moment in there that people still refer to of like him telling me like to call a touchdown i, I don't remember exactly how it went but that 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 was something i remember and then after that bob wolf had told the people in the workshop like there, you know he wanted he was looking for someone to help him archive all of his stuff and he would pay someone to do it and so i you know, you know, I'm like, wow, chance to like, you know, work with Bob Wolf, you know, whatever capacity. And so I put my name up, we had a couple of interviews with Bob. And um, he ended up calling me one day, it was in the middle of um, an 810 tournament, baseball tournament game, the 810 tournament was at Fordham that year, and I was doing some games, he called me and he said, you know, listen, you know, you'd be great for this, but this is you know you really should be focusing on on your your work at you know at at fuv and and calling games and stuff like that and that to me was like a moment where someone's you know this person's looking out for me you know even though they're not going to take me on for this this that person knows that time with them as great as it might be and <laughs> as much as i might enjoy it time with them might take away from you know doing games and and growing my craft that way so that was a moment that i remember um Fordham baseball game I believe Mike Watts and I were calling the game it was a rain delay a huge rain delay this actually might have been that same year with the eight ten. I can't remember huge rain delay and the, I'm sure if you guys have called a baseball game you know that during rain delays the players will go out on the field and they'll you know do all these funny things they'll like they'll do like human bowling well they'll you know they have the guys stand up as pins and they'll roll over and, and knock you know whatever do crazy stuff like that and so there was a point where Mike Watts and I ran out onto the field, polos, khakis, and and, and everything, and just – we started doing, like – we just dove, you know, and, like, on onto the water and would, like, just, like, slide for, like, 20 or 30 feet. And we did that. We got all the, nur- the nurdles all over us, you know, from the turf. Bob found out about that, and I, I think he probably said oh, – we walked in the next day, and I think he said probably something, something to the effect of, uh, well – that was uh, you know you just yeah it happened Bob yeah and you know whatever um you know the beat reporting was a great great time um you know I I did struggle to to try and like integrate myself into the the core of of people covering the teams because you know you're a college kid these guys do it for a living every day and there was a moment, uh, it was training camp of uh, t- the summer of 2011 with the Giants. And my first day, and I want—I knew that I wanted to ask Tom Coughlin a question. And I decided to ask him about an offensive lineman named Will Beatty. And so I just asked him, you know, if he could talk about his progress. And Tom Coughlin's response to me was, um, is this your first day here? We've been talking about Will Beatty for months. And then he did answer the question um you know gave a little one liner whatever you know coach speak and um i think some of the the, the press guys did kind of give me a pat on the back after that which was nice <laughs> um so that that was that was fun um yeah i mean just you know the, the the people you know i mean i i can't i can't really hammer that home enough just you know the guys and Doing one-on-one and everything. I mean, I just there's just so much, so much that happened over that course of time that that you remember, and you want to. At sometimes, you want to be back in those moments.
0: When you talk about being in in a whether it's a locker room or a clubhouse, and I, I think we can all relate to the initial. You're you're a little timid, and and you're the college kid among a group of professionals on the beat. Um, how important is it that? Because Mike Watts actually referred to it as something that just built his confidence when he actually um, stepped into the professionals. How, did, was that something that kind of um, took a little bit of the pressure off your shoulders when you started your professional career, as having that exposure to such a professional environment as someone who's doesn't really feel yet like a full professional?
3: Absolutely, yeah. I, I and I, I remember him. I listened to, to to Mike, and yeah, that that was um that was huge um i covered the yankees and the mets giants and jets so kind of like a, a little bit of everything over those 4 years and yeah you 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 know when you get out of 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 college and you find yourself back in that situation even if it's you know a, a press conference with the mayor you know it's not sports but it's still you know a press conference that's you know you can compare to that um, I do still get a little like nervous tick. And I think it's a, in a way, it's a good thing when I ask a question, you know, as I know that I want to ask a question, and I want to ask it, I want to, you know, I know exactly what I want to say. And um, I don't know, for, for me, I, I do still get a little bit of that, just knowing that you are actually conversing with with this person, you know, and and that that is the key, you know, you're really just, you know you have to think of it that way you can't think of it as cameras are on me and everyone's listening to me and you know every syllable out of my mouth could get me fired or whatever you know you it that that's it's not a recipe for uh for success in, in that area so um i actually i can remember a moment where i i guess you could say i had a little little guts in me to be able to do this the yankees had just gotten clobbered by the houston astros and this was Astros were just terrible at this point, and they and they came into Yankee Stadium and beat them up one game. Then after the game, I I kind of I went up to Vernon Wells and just asked him if he would have a few minutes to talk to me, and he did. It was very nice. And you know, I guess I wasn't really thinking like, hey, they just lost by like eight runs to the Astros. Maybe 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 talk to him tomorrow. You know, maybe pregame tomorrow he'll will have forgotten about tonight's game, and so you know those kind of things over the years you think you know okay this person is not like a robot you know he he's a human being and he has feelings so you know think of try to try to be on that side of it and i think over the years you start to get that mindset a little bit more
2: best piece of advice you've received from bob arons
3: <sighs> so uh fall of senior year since 2013 we go to uh, temple football. And this was really at the height of the football program with Joe Moorhead. And um, it was it was uh, probably the, the the best game that I've been at live um, at Fordham. We won by a point. And I was doing color commentary. Mike Watts is on play-by-play. Eric Mallow is our producer engineer. DJ Sixsmith was on the sideline. And so we're in Lincoln Financial Field in the booth. And it's coming up on, uh, I think the game was at one. It's coming up on, on four o'clock and the game is not, it's still, you know, we know it's going to go past four. And so I don't know um, if you if this still is the way it is at FUV, but if we had that one to four time slot locked in on Saturdays, whether it was one-on-one or a game or whatever. And after that, I'm pretty sure that no matter what was going on, FUV would take over with, I think it was mixed bag. And no matter what, we would have to go to the next program. We'd have to kind of come on the air and say, you know, coming up, uh, we're going to be switching gears to mixed bag. You can continue to listen to the game on WFUVsports.org. So Eric Malo hands me the, the card to say that. And I read it incorrectly. I, I, I butchered it. Uh, I, and, and this was one of those moments. Keep in mind, I'm a senior. So I've, I've been doing this for three years already where I thought I was kind of too big for my britches and like, okay, clearly there's a mistake here. I'm just, I'm going to read it the way that I know it to be correct, which was incorrect. <laughs> I was completely wrong. So I read it wrong once. Bob Ahrens gets in Eric ear back in the Bronx and says, give it to him again. Give me, he has to read that again. He gives it to me again. And I'm looking at Eric like, Eric, like Fordham is like, in the middle of a game winning drive here, like, just go, get away from me. You know, like I want to, I want to, we got to pay attention to the game. Now he gives, he had to give me the, the card again. I read it again, again, incorrect. So I think that happened. It may have happened a third time where, and then I, I, and then Bob is just fuming at this point. And eventually I did read it correctly. And the lesson that I got from that was just read the words that you are given. <laughs> If they are not correct, you know, they'll be corrected, but don't just, you know, you know, don't, don't, you know, just, just, just read the words, just, just read the words. And um, yeah, that was, uh, that was, uh, that was a fun moment that we still laugh about.
0: (laughs) And, and, and sticking on Bob, everyone sort of has their story or their word to describe him and we hear about his passion, and you, your, your first brush with him on the phone, maybe before you came in. What, what is it for you that makes Bob special? Uh, that makes his legacy at WfuV so big, so larger than life.
3: Yeah, it's a combination of a few things. I mean, first the the dedication to what the mission is. You know, it was pretty clear to me in the beginning that listen, this is not about um, seniority. This is not about, you know, seniors don't necessarily get the, the, the best assignments. It's how good you are. You know, that, that is what really, really is the factor. And, you know, it, it, the seniority will come into play if there are two people. I, I remember Bob telling me this. You know, two people who are just as talented. If one of them is a senior, one's a junior, you're going to give it to the senior. But ultimately, it's about the product about what we are putting on the air in New York City, 50,000 watt station. This is not a college radio station. I was told that from day one. Um, and so that's f- at the forefront for me. And, you know, another, another quick moment here. Um, after my freshman year, I, I had planned to transfer. Uh, actually, i had planned to uh, leave Fordham and go to a Brooklyn College, strictly because of money. Uh, you know, we, we all know that Fordham is, <laughs> is not cheap. Um, and so it was that summer 2011, and I registered for classes at Brooklyn, I, you know, got my ID, I did everything I had to do. And I remember, I remember talking to Bob about that. And that was tough, because, you know, I had gone through the whole training program with FUV. And, um, you know Bob and i were, were were getting closer at that point, and you know he didn't he 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 didn 't try necessarily to stop me from leaving you know he was honest with me you know um and that 's not you know he was not in it for personal gain you know at all he was in it for us you know and if this was the best decision for me, he was going to respect that um and then I did my first uh newscast uh, that summer. And I was like, I just can't, I can't leave this, you know? Um, so, so, you know, that personal connection was so huge that you knew that, you know, you could go into Keating basement at any time, go and walk into Bob's office and just sit down and, and talk to him or just go on the computer or, you know, he was always there. He was always there for us. So I think it's the combination of of those two. And, you know, the, the being honest part goes both ways. He was honest when he wanted to to help you. And that a lot of the time meant telling it to you, you know, like it was and, you know, read this, read it the way that it has to be, the way that it's written, you know, uh, and, and telling you when, you know, when you were not doing something right and correcting it in that way. So it, it you know, all of those things for me stand out.
2: Mac, before we let you go, if there's one top quality that you would describe to a current FUV student in terms of the way forward for the station and the way to keep the standard where it's always been, what would that quality be?
3: Yeah, I, I think, you know, if I could change one thing for, for my personal experience, um, you know, let, let's, let's call it like it is. We at FUV Sports were spoiled. I mean, th- this is uh, you know, this is an experience that nobody in the country gets in college, and so you're part of such a select group. And um, I would just, I-, I wish that, and this is you know, not to 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 blame anybody, uh, you know, but I-, I wish that I had been able to tell myself during those years and leading up to graduation, you know, you're not going to walk into a job just because of all this you know even as as unbelievable and unparalleled an experience as it was you need to kind of have some humility here um and you know humbleness about you going into the field don't just think because you have been at fuv and you have that name on your resume that you're going to just walk into something and it was very very true you know i struggled to to come to grips with that Even after I graduated, you know, we I would ask myself like, why isn't this happening yet? You know, and you know, it. uh, There's no answer to that, but um, you know, I would just tell people to stay grounded in what they do, stay humble, and just you know, keep going after it. You know, and, and don't let up. Don't don't let up the standard. Um, and and you know, there needs to be. Uh, an understanding of of the value of of this you know um, there have been obviously there have been changes since two thousand and fourteen um you know with with Bobby C coming in carrying on this legacy and um I think one of the things that I really appreciate about Bobby is keeping the alumni in it you know this this podcast. It's perfect example because this can help folks. It can help people that don't even go to Fordham, you know, that don't, you know, that are at other programs that want to hear about it. Cause, you know, it it can stretch beyond that. Um, so yeah, all of that.
2: <laughs> well, Mac, we really appreciate you taking the time, coming on, sharing all that insight and all the best moving forward. Thanks, guys. Thanks really so appreciate
3: it. Good talking to you. Thanks, Mac.
2: Plenty of great insight from Mac Rosenberg on episode four of the Off the Air podcast. And Chris, it was really interesting to hear some of those fonder memories he had, including in the booth at Lincoln Financial Field when he tried to read the same promo card three separate times. And that's one of those areas in this field where when you think you've maybe accomplished something and you think you know what's going on, to take a step back and to know that it's a greater team effort. And that's obviously something that Mac knows. He knew it then. He knows it now. But to remind yourself in an overwhelming moment, and that's a big takeaway for anyone going into journalism or broadcasting as a whole, that it is truly a team effort. You win together, you lose together.
0: Yeah, and it's one of those moments uh, that can humble you when when you make an error on, on what is a, a big scale you're, you're calling a game from Lincoln Financial Field Which also gives you an idea of The kind of otherworldly type of work That we get to do at the station That sometimes you do have to pinch yourself And say that I'm at Lincoln Financial Field And Max certainly alludes to that But he talks a lot about this concept of You know You, you have to You have to recognize that you are part of a team And you have to trust your producer In that sense When you get the card Read the card don't don't question the card. And, and and it's it's part of a larger theme that he gets at, which is, you know, you may think that because you have done this and that and the other thing that you have a certain amount of credibility, but this work will always find a way to humble you and tell you um, that you've got more work to do and that someone knows better than you do. And that, as far as we know, will always be the case with a guy like Bob Arons, who he talks about. Bob Arons will always know more than we know. Um, he's been doing this forever. So in, in that sense, it's important to to, to be humble and to, and to take uh, the producer's card and read it no matter what.
2: And you get the sense just from the first four guests, we're going to continue getting that sense moving forward, the amount of camaraderie between the current FUV students when a given person is at the station, and then how that carries over into the field and how FUV alums and current students and different people out in the fields always tend to look out for one another. And that's a lot of the reason why the camaraderie at the station is so important. And that's something I think Mac has a lot of value in.
0: And it's something that, especially with this group of alumni that we've talked to our first four guests, being on the younger side is our experiences between now us graduating in 2021, and for instance, Mac graduating in 2014, Are very similar. The station has changed, but these experiences uh, are are very much the same. And only someone in, virtually only someone um, who's carried an FUV mic flag, um, who's come through our program, knows what it feels like to be a 19 year old kid in the Yankee clubhouse. That's, that's a unique feeling that not a lot of people have. Um, and then there's also something that in knowing that we do have this shared experience, um, that there's a trust and there's a factor of we had that same camaraderie. We took the road trips up to wherever it was, uh, Lehigh. And, and, and in that, there's a connection. And, and it certainly carries forward uh, past graduation.
2: So a huge thanks to Mac Rosenberg for joining us on the Off The Air podcast. You continue to stay in line with the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, WFUVsports.org, wherever you get your podcast. For Chris Baccia, Emmanuel Barbari, will catch you next week on the Off The Air podcast.